0: we are here to talk about bosnia we're here to talk about bosnian history balkan everything you name it we're here we're gonna chat so um scooch up to the microphone scooch up to the microphone so people can hear so where do we begin how do we what okay okay i know what i would say but i want to know what you say in in just a few sentences how would you describe bosnia to the uninitiated how what 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 would you in in a few sentences like what what would you say about bosnian people to people who don't know anything about bosnia
1: well i think that bosnia and Herzegovina is one of the most beautiful places in the world uh beautiful mountains rivers uh nature a lot of an untouched nature um and amazing people some of the tallest people in the world as well yes and um amazing food um a very rich history and uh, lots of resilience.
0: Lots of resilience. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you here today because um, I just think a lot of people just associate Bosnia with trauma, which, yes, there's trauma, but I just, it's also like, let's talk about, I guess, you know, your family, your resilience. Um, What would you tell to people about, like, how Bosnians relate to the war, you know, All these decades later how do they relate to the war what is their goal i guess how do they want people to see them
1: i think uh, many bosnian herzegovians don't want to talk about it i think they want to be part of the past without recognizing how much it's actually still impacting their presence and um in particular uh i also feel like whenever i talk to people who um, haven't experienced the war and haven't lived through a war, they have an idea of what it looks like and what it should be like. And it's always portrayed in this really horrific uh, way, which it was. Mm -hmm. Um, We are survivors of genocide, ethnic cleansing, uh, crimes against humanities, Mm -hmm. uh, war crimes. And um, at the same time, when I think of the years during the war, I also think of the resilience and how much we managed to laugh and to find joy in small things and how mm-hmm. little things um, would make a huge difference in our day-to-day life um and and and, and how good people were to toward each other mm. that's another thing that really does stand out for me whether it is when we would go and collect water or we would uh, have like at one time I remember running after peacekeepers and asking them to give um, to give me some food. And they did actually, um, they threw a, a package on me. And I was nine maybe at that time. And I took the package and it had all these incredible sweets. And I remember coming together with all the other children in my uh, building and just like sharing those sweets over the next two weeks, taking a piece every single day and sharing with each other. So there are also those memories that are really um, amazing and beautiful in a way.
0: Mm. So let's talk about, so we, we spoke about this before, but let's talk about like when the war, before the war broke out versus when it broke out, because you are from uh, Facha? Facha. Yeah. Facha. and. Okay. This is one of the this is one of the massacres, one of the genocides that isn't spoken about. I have another friend from Facha who had a similar tale. so um, what what do you remember from the days before the war what was what was Yugoslavia like?
1: So um, I was seven when the war broke out and uh, when I think about uh, my first seven years of uh, and actually just also at what time did I recognize that? I'm different maybe from others because the um, so Bosnian Muslims were a minority in Foca. Um My parents, um, they were in their early 30s. Um, my dad was a really fun person uh, to be around. So they had a lot of friends. And um, all their friends were uh, Bosnian Serbs and Serbs. Um, There was a lot of hiding of our Muslim identity to the point where it was not something that you would show or even practice. Um, My family wasn't really practicing, um, and uh, all of their friends were Bosnian Serbs, and I remember even during the time when, uh, when it would be Ramadan and mom would be fasting, she would hide that she's fasting from her colleagues at work and her friends, and if she was praying, she would make sure to tell me and my sister in case anyone calls and she's praying that we should never say that mom is praying, but rather that she's doing something else. And it was a lot just about, um, uh, being like everyone else. Mm. Um, it's also because it was communism and religion didn't really have a place. Mm. Um, and, um, and looking back at, um, at that time and taking it back to also maybe, um, or maybe I shouldn't take it back to the Second World War, <laughs> but just to say that um, Bosnian Muslims were really not—I um, mean, even even the constitution didn't rec- really recognize us, so we didn't—we we couldn't identify ourselves as Bosnians. Mm. So, um, Yugoslavian constitution had—they uh, rec- recognized four people: it's Yugoslavs, uh, uh, Serbians, Croatians, and then Muslims. Uh, and so there was there was that whole lack of Bosnian identity, but mm. also lack of Muslim identity, um, and and so I remember that I was that I was pretty shocked even as a child that what was happening to us was happening because of our religion, mm. um, since it wasn't really an important aspect of who we are at that time, and um, and I remember when. Uh, it was in April when my sister and I went to school and the teacher just called up on several names and told us that we should go home and then we came back home and my parents were home as well. The same thing happened at their work. They were told to go home. So um, the way, so when people ask me how did war start, that's how I think about it, just that separation from other children in the mm. school and being asked to go home. And then sh- literally sheltering and being in a way imprisoned in your home where you couldn't really leave, and then all the checkpoints that were on the um, uh, on the street. So my aunt, she lived only two blocks away, and I remember walking one day, actually just by, with my sister to my aunt's place, and passing by checkpoints and having a person who was in, bo- in full body armor and um, you know pointing three fingers at me, which is a sign um, of. Uh, of, Serbian nationalism, um, and, um, and just remember, like, sitting in the evening and parents following the news, trying to figure out what's going to happen next, um, yeah, and to a point where it wasn't safe for us, uh, to stay there any longer, um, we did find out that both my uncle and my dad were on the list to be taken away, Mm. so, um, one evening at 3 a.m., my parents woke up my sister and me, and just uh, told us to get into the car, and we left our home, and we never actually went back.
0: Wow! And so, how did they when when the checkpoints started forming in Facha, How did how did the government explain what they were doing? Like, how does that come about? That like, so you're, and this is, I think, the th- really important part about you know pre-war these were neighbors these were neighbors this was neighborhoods these were your father's childhood friends so how did they say these checkpoints were working like what did they what how did they explain them how did they pop up like what was that like to witness these Mm -hmm. this separation this almost is it i mean not necessarily a ghettoization of muslims Mm -hmm. but a separation
1: so just to take a step back, uh, so when Yugoslavia was falling apart, um, it was first Slovenia that declared its independence, yep. um, and Serbia launched a very short war against Slovenia. The next came uh, Croatia. Croatia declared independence. Same thing happened, and Dobrovnik, as uh, one of the oldest cities in the world, was shelled. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, uh, so I, I actually remember when we went with our parents for them to vote, For the independence of Bosnia and Bosnia declared its independence under referendum, Um, and uh, Serbians they declared a war against Bosnia. Pretty much when, uh, uh, well, I'm thinking now actually in particular about Karadzic, who uh, even before the beginning of the war he said uh, he said, if you want independence from. Uh, from Yugoslavia you are going to Bosnian Muslims are going to disappear from the surface of the earth Um, something to that point who is this Karadzic so Karadzic is a war criminal who was sentenced by the International Criminal Tribunal for former Yugoslavia over genocide ethnic cleansing Mm -hmm. crimes against humanity um, and war crimes and he was actually hiding in Serbia until um, 2000 or so and only handed uh, over to Hague then um, so just to say that there was a lot of politics around it and what, but it made difficult for Bosnia to defend itself, um, in comparison to how uh, Slovenia and Croatia did it, uh, so Bosnia didn't have an army on its own. So there mm. was Yugoslavian army and then inside of Bosnia, because Bosnia is one of those countries in the Balkans where you had Bosnian Croats, Bosnian Serbs and Bosnian Muslims, living together. So it was very integrated society. And um, so the the, um, the Bosnian Serbs, they had all that support from the Yugoslav army and from mm-hmm. Serbia. And what happened was that actually Bosnian army was just formed ad hoc. There was no plan. It didn't exist before. And um, to answer your question, what the response was um, at that time, um, what we actually believed so what we believed was that things would calm down. I remember, I remember my dad and my mom talking about it and being like, "Oh, in a few days everything is going to be fine." So even even when we left our home, my mom and my dad they didn't even let us take a, a lot of stuff with us. I remember I wanted to take my doll with me and some clothes, and mom was like, "We're just going to the countryside, leave it all behind. We're coming back in a few days when things calm down." and mm-hmm. everyone thought that it wouldn't end up being what it ended up being. Mm-hmm. And that it wouldn't happen and you know i think i told you one of the hardest thing for my mother that she still can't get over is that betrayal that she felt from her friends mm-hmm. so um when when checkpoints were uh, once when, once we recognized that there are checkpoints in every neighborhood that we couldn't leave our homes that we actually didn't know what's going on and what's going to happen Uh, My mom was on the phone trying to call her friends to ask for help, to ask for some information. And everyone would just put the phone down on her. And my dad, he reached out to his best friend, Mita, who was... uh, So just to paint that picture of what their friendship... They went to high school together. They were roommates during their time at college in Sarajevo. Then they worked together in the same company. And when my dad called him and asked him each what's happening, you know, I'm seeing all these checkpoints, what's going on, um, he's, he told him, brother, we have to do what we have to do, and, and same thing, didn't really offer any help or, or information. Um, and so my family, we just really decided to uh, go to the countryside where my grandmother lived at that time. Uh, but then within a few days, news from Fauci emerged that people are being killed and murdered. Wow. Um, my grandmother's sister was actually thrown into the river Drina, so what, it, it wasn't only how people were, what, what was happening to people, how they, and that they were murdered, but how it was being done. Uh, so Drina is a really beautiful river that is flowing um, through eastern Bosnia, and in 2010, so many, many years after the war, I was actually working on excavation, and like actually looking for bodies or for, um, for 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 something that will resemble a bone, uh, so that people who are still looking for their missing ones could could find them. And for example, in my family, we still haven't found my grandmother's sister, who we did get information was killed and thrown into the river. And so, as that information was coming to us, we just decided and we realized that we had to flee uh, uh, that we have to actually flee further. So we started going to in, in the direction of Sarajevo.
0: Wow. And so it's it's just, it's so much to take. It's so much information to take in. I think, you know, it's just hearing, hearing about it. And it's just like Bosnians, they, they're such pragmatic people, you know, they're very, they're very realistic and that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's, there's something very uh, magical about the mentality of Bosnians that um, is, very healing you know this uh the dedication to finding people so long after the dedication to um the truth you know we talked about um serbia's lobby being so much bigger than bosnia's and you know there's a lot of still like corruption in bosnia's government that keeps this story from going out um but i'm curious um i've talked about this a few times on my ch- on my uh, channels but what what do you think it is in serbian nationalism that caught on to your parents friends so strongly that they now no longer saw you as a friend like what what is it within serbian nationalism because it's it's i mean for the uninitiated you know the serbian empire ended after 25 years and serbs were you know taken by the ottomans which they then later blamed on um, bosnians but how how does that how does that propaganda how does that mentality how does it propagate in you know serbian society that they just switched like that or was it always there
1: i really wish that we could interview someone who Hold these beliefs. And I know could, could talk about it and just say like this is actually, this is actually what played in my head during that time. And um, and I I do always say that we should also recognize that not all Serbians hold that um, mm-hmm. that um, attitude or opinion. And in fact, when at one point when my dad was taken away at a checkpoint, and um, they were all lined up to be taken back to the prison and fought shot, or killed, um, my dad actually realized what's going to happen. So he just turned around and he started running. And he had run for miles and miles and miles. And he suddenly hit a car, a police car. And he was like, and so this was literally when we just started fleeing the eastern Bosnia towards Sarajevo. And so when he hit this car and saw a police officer, he was like, I don't know what's going on. You know, they're taking away women. They're taking away children. They they lined us all up. I didn't know whether we would be killed or taken to prison or whatnot. And so this police officer was actually a Bosnian Serb. Mm -hmm. And he could just have apprehended my dad, taken him to prison or whatnot. But this actually Bosnian Serb, uh, for what is worth, did save my dad's life and he gave him a lift and he took him to a place called Oliva. I mean not in the town itself well but near to Oliva and said, This is how far I can take you. You have to go on foot from here and on, since that's where, you know, the Bosnian army is. And um and I cannot forget that. Mm. You know, even though my dad was killed a few months later in that initial incident, even though Their friends betrayed them. There was one Bosnian Serb police officer who decided to save my Mm. dad. And so uh, it is important to recognize that there are individuals who were advocating against the war at the height of it. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, these individuals were not heard. They didn't have much voice.
0: Yeah, and also I feel like in Serbian society, the left is so scared of the right. Because the right is, that's the government. Yeah. They have the guns, they have the big muscle.
1: Um, and the right is very powerful. And so even when you look back at the 1990s, um, I, think, I think also even today when I have some heated discussions with some Serbians, uh, they really, first of all, they deny the genocide ever happened. Mm-hmm. They or twist the facts. That, exactly. They deny that ethnic cleansing happened. Mm. And they claim that they actually tried to protect Yugoslavia, or that they had to protect themselves. If we did not, if we did not kill them, they would have killed us. Um, which doesn't make any sense because, as I mentioned earlier, Bosnians had no army and really had no means to defend themselves. And that's something that's really interesting, going, talking to resilience and, and being pragmatic and being strong. We did end up defending ourselves, mm. even though we didn't seem to be able to do so. Mm. Um, and, um, but yeah, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to uh, remember exactly what your question was about uh, the, uh, oh yeah, the, the Serbian nationalism.
0: Where does it come from? Where does it, where does it come from? Because I, you know, yeah. I, I talk about it a bit. It's, it's I mean, it's it's based on a fantasy that I think is, it's it's interesting. You know, you have this once big, great empire where everyone was magically, mystically Serbian, like you know Kosovo is magically always served. like it's just all this very very untrue yeah. history but people really believe it because it became their identity during Ottoman slavery
1: so um okay so it's really interesting and and then we have to go really really far back in history but um so what's interesting during the um during the time when um uh, before Ottoman Empire came to 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 the Balkans and to Bosnia in particular, we had uh, different kingdoms. So one was Serbia, the other one was Croatia, and then we had the Bosnian kingdom as mm. well. And Serbs were Orthodox Christians, uh, Croats were Catholics. So Serbs belonged to the Greek Church, uh, Croatia belonged to the um, Roman Church, and they had wars with our country with our kings or were trying to convert them into either catholicism or christianity what religion
0: were bosnians
1: so they actually were uh it's called uh they had a bosnian church uh, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't Catholicism or orthodox christianity and we still have grave stones that can only be found in Bosnia, that actually talked about history, mm. there isn't really much information um, out there, on, unfortunately, on what exactly the belief system was. Uh, but it was definitely not part, and it did not, and it, it did not belong to the most powerful religious institutions at that time, which was the Greek uh, Orthodox Church and the Roman Latin Church. Mm-hmm. So they were completely independent and had their independent religion. And it was impossible to conquer them literally neither serbs nor croats imagine actually to conquer them or uh, convert them to christianity but then the ottoman empire came um, the uh, bosnians did convert to um, islam so during the time of the ottoman empire when they would conquer an area you had two choices one choice was to convert and mm-hmm. become muslim the second choice was to pay jizya, which is like a tax mm-hmm. in case you are not Muslim, um, and of course, a third choice was to uh, enter into a bar. And so, what happened with Bosnians was that they mostly converted, um, and um, and uh, Serbs and Croats did not. And I think even to this day, um, many of the uh, of the Serbs who are who do um, who do have nationalistic views see as as traitors? Like yep. that we I've heard that, that yeah we have become Turks, which we actually never were and uh, never became. We just did convert to Islam. But what also happened was that that created some inequality since Bosnians were Muslims, they were usually holding higher positions with the um, Ottoman government. So it's a strong belief that as a Christian you couldn't hold positions. They did. And especially the um, religious religious, um, officials had a standing and even would get a stipend from the Ottoman Empire. But um, but nevertheless, um, I, I would say that Serbians were treated less fairly than uh, Bosnians, and um, and also did um, suffer lots of abuses at the end at, at the hand of the uh, Ottoman Empire and and the army um, to the point where unfortunately and the they used that in the Bosnian war against Bosnians. Mm -hmm. It was like a way to pay back for the suffering that they have have experienced during the Ottoman Empire. And that's why, unfortunately, um, and sadly, and the most horrific thing that is associated to the Bosnian war is, I I know people associate the genocide as the most horrific thing, but I think for me, uh, as a woman, it is the uh, sexual slavery that women and girls were placed into Mm. where, uh, That was really the rhetoric. Like Turks raped our mothers. Now by raping Bosnian girls Mm. and women, were paying back for what our mothers had to go through. Uh, There was this uh, forced, just uh, how do you say, um,
0: forced impregnation. Impregnation. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Serbia's done a a bang up job of trying to sanitize their crimes. I don't know. Do you think? Do you think they? And I actually, in recent times too, with you know the rise of fascism coming, you know, to bloom once again in Europe, I think Serbia's really latched onto their narrative of you know the the, the Muslim problem. They oh they, you know they. Did, I've I've seen it time and time and time and time again in my comment sections when I talk about the Bosnian War, Turks. <laughs> like that's the fucking point that I think a lot of. The, the rhetoric is missing because it's fascism. It's it's ethnic, religious fascism. Um, but what, what um, I wanna also talk about Bosnian culture. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, I know Sevda comes from the merging of Ottoman music and Slavic music together, but I'm curious what in Bosnian culture was like Sevda before Sevda, because for the uninitiated, Sevda is a Turkish word. Um, but was there was there a part of Bosnian culture that already had that very melancholy, you know for well, I guess how do we explain Sevda? Sevda in Old Turkish means black like bile and it refers to unrequited love. It's basically the blues. Except for Bosnians, call it the blacks. The 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 black music, the dark music, the sad music, the melancholy music. Um is basically the same thing. But was that in Bosnian culture before the Ottomans came? Was it was it was it something that was accentuated by the Ottomans?
1: I honestly wouldn't know.
0: Yeah? Yeah. Do you know? No, I don't know. I was I was just curious.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I would have to look into it. I, I bet it heard. must.
0: Yeah. I bet it must.
1: Um I have no idea. But it is interesting what it means to every Bosnian. Uh, and it's, it's really one of the things that we are incredibly proud of and also yeah. uh, tied to... Because it's so heart. unique. And that's why the other night when Chelsea, you sang a Bosnian Sevda song, I was like, this is really incredible. Oh, I and love I,
0: Sevda. I love Sevda. Yeah. I love uh, Safet Isovic a lot. Bosna Moya is a great song. <laughs> Good song. Every When I'm in a bad mood, I just put it on. I'm just lying. I'm literally, I love it. I love it. It's such a unique, it's such a unique mentality that I think a lot of Westerners can learn from, you know, a lot of, I feel like in the West, there's so much toxic positivity, toxic, hyper individualistic nature that, you know, for instance, you know, when I was, uh, when I, when I went viral on television, I was really, really, I really, really went viral like in San Diego and everybody knew who I was but nobody like came up and like worship, like there's no celebrity culture really in Bosnia, which is very interesting. Um, they're very, it's very like, it's a very pragmatic country and it's just, it's something that it's difficult to explain the mentality until you go because the West is so hyper individualistic, hyper, you know, toxic positivity, like idolization of people, you know, there's like, it's, it's just night and day between the two. It's so it's so fascinating. What would you, what is your favorite part of of you know the Bosnian mentality that you think Westerners can learn from? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. Okay, well, it's just just to comment briefly on that whole thing, that um, I, I feel like the Western society and especially America has this culture of happiness. Um, I remember when I moved to the U.S. and like if you would just. Has by any store at that time, that was like 2013. It's all these self help books, how mm-hmm. to think positively, how to be happy. And mm-hmm. um, it was very much focused on that um, instead of realism and, and the fact that depression, anxiety, and sadness mm-hmm. is part of life. And actually, I would even argue, is a necessary ingredient to any creativity. Um, but talking about the Bosnian culture, there are a few things. Uh, one thing is my directness. I always get comments from Americans of how direct I am. Mm-hmm,
0: and, mm-hmm. Um,
1: and they see it often as problematic and they're like, oh, you could also, you know, sandwich it a little bit or more diploma- be more diplomatic in how you say it. But I argue, well, with me, you will always know what I'm thinking. yeah. And that's one thing about Bosnians. They're not trying to wrap things up. And I think it is because of the... Uh, of of all the things that we have been through. And, you know, we spoke about the war in the 1990s, but there was another awful war during the Second World War where Bosnian Muslims, including people in my family, were brutally killed. You know, grandparents on both of my side were orphaned during the Second World War. So when you grow up with so much generational trauma and so much, uh, so, so many abuses, horrific abuses, uh, you, you don't really have patience for... Or, I would say you, you don't have patience, but you don't really see much value in acting uh, that things are different from what they are. Exactly, yeah. So, I think that realism and directness is something that I value a lot. Uh, and something that I'm always proud of, and especially uh, I was so happy when you shared your experience with me, is how welcoming we are mm. towards strangers. Regardless. So much.
0: Like, literally, I love, I, I just, I love my favorite one of my favorite things is just like to take a bus in bosnia it's just so funny people like n- people will not speak english but like you can like mime with them they're like you know <laughs> there's always a little old lady with the wet wipe when we go to the turkish toilets because there's always confused western people like what? there's a hole in the ground and <laughs> there's always confused western people like why am i shitting in a hole uh
1: Spot toilet which is actually really good for you yeah, it's yeah. Much to squat.
0: Oh, yeah. It's it's much healthier. Yeah. much healthier. yeah, much healthier. Um And the water buckets. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No, I. I
1: so you know, during the whole uh, um, toilet crisis, uh, toilet paper crisis, you at the beginning of the COVID in uh, in the US. I was like just get a bidet, you're going to be fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And especially, they do it also in India. I've seen it in Bulgaria. Um, in uh, Actually, also in Milan, I saw a mm. Turkish toilet. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, whether it was a Turkish toilet in Milan. But yeah, it's a half the world uses paper, half the world uses water. Um, so tell us, tell us a bit about your work with, Regards to um, shining a light on the sexual slavery that mm-hmm. Bosnian women uh, experienced, because I, th- I think uh, it's very much glazed over. Yeah, and it was it was a very integral part, as you said. It was revenge for what the Turks did. It was it was a systematic, um, yeah. anti-female gen- genocide.
1: Um. So. We don't really have the exact number, but something like around twenty thousand women were held in sexual slavery. Mm, wow. The youngest victim in my town was seven years old. Wow! And all of this data is really coming from the International Criminal Tribunal for Former Yugoslavia, which is a court that was established by the international community to prosecute war crimes that were taking place in Bosnia. Um, and So when I was 15, so at the end of the war, my family managed to escape to Sweden. We were smuggled out of the country and uh, got a refugee status in Sweden. But when I was 15, I wanted so badly to go back to Bosnia because I wanted to go to law school in Bosnia. I wanted to be a prosecutor one day and work on war crimes.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I... Ended up doing it. My family moved back to Bosnia, and uh, I went to law school there. And later, I worked in the prosecutor office, and then for the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. And focused a lot of my work back then on sexual violence, not only against women, but also men, which was really horrific in the Bosnian war context, where it was a way to break down, um, really to break down any dignity that people had. Where. Um, um, Brothers were uh, forced to, uh, you know, act to 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 um, to engage in sexual uh, intercourse or um, sexual acts um, at the threat of death, or even at uh, at um, you know the point of where if they don't do that, one of their family members is going to be killed, uh, and etc. So just something that is not as spoken about as the sexual violence against women, but important to recognize it that men were victims of it as yeah. well, and uh, when it comes to um, women and and children, girls, um, it was really, uh, it, it's one of it, it's really one of the of the most difficult things that um, that that I can associate to the war itself. When I think about it, when I think about the testimonies that I've heard. Um, and what these uh, women and girls had to go through. We are talking about gang rape every single day, day after day, day mm. after day. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Angelina Jolie made a movie out out of it. It's called Milk and Honey. I don't know if you've seen it.
0: Yeah. Have
1: you seen I, it? I haven't
0: seen it. I've heard of it. Yeah. Was it Was it good? Was it accurate? I don't accurate? think it was
1: a good movie. I oh. think it was accurate. I think the story was just really... Um, this, so I, I think um, I think there were things that were accurate, but certain things are just so cringy. I think she
0: made a fantasy movie out of it. It's not even a real story.
1: It was very, it was very. You know, there were this one person who is being raped by a Serbian soldier, ended up falling in love with him. Oh God! <laughs> and then he kills her. And then the, the funniest thing that was. I don't cringing- think any
0: Bosnian woman was in love with Serbian soldiers.
1: And then. Uh, or if she was, then you have to recognize that it was... It Stockholm was Syndrome. Exactly. And yeah. that it was something that, uh, you know, like the only thing that they felt maybe they had control over if you are held in sexual slavery from the age of 12 until the age of 16. Um, but I wanted to say that the last scene was about the Serbian soldier um, entering Sarajevo and there was a peace, UN peacekeepers with their blue helmets. And we know... They So this this uh, Serbian soldier is uh, falling down on his knees and he's like, I'm bar criminal. <laughs> and that's just like, that was so cringy. That's in the movie. not a <laughs> thing that would happen. Exactly, They don't
0: think, no, no, no. Like Ratko Mladic still to this day thinks he was completely justified in genociding ethnic Muslims. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, and, totally the, and cringy. Yeah. I, I always, actually they did this too. There's another uh, There's another movie about the Holocaust. It's actually really mm-hmm. problematic. So I don't know, is the, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, did you see that? No. It's a terrible Holocaust film. So basically uh, it's about, I'm paraphrasing exponentially, but basically it's about um, an SS officer's family and his son uh, befriends a Jewish child uh, who is in a concentration camp near their house. Like he befriends a Jewish child through the, through the fence. Uh, the Boy in the Striped Pajamas is, is the prisoner child, right? And the whole movie revolves around you know, this German child making a uh, friendship with a Jewish child, right? And it, the movie focuses more on like, what a good German child for humanizing a Jew versus humanizing the Jew. Like, 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 what a good German child. Oh, look at him talking to the Jewish child like he's a human being, wow, congrats, it was so weird. And then uh, the film ends with the German child sneaking underneath and sneaking underneath the fence to go be with the Jewish child and he gets put in one of the gas chambers. And at the end of the movie, they are crying for the white German child and not the Jewish child. Like, it manipulates you to have empathy for the child that has empathy instead of having empathy for the person that the film should be about. It's so, it's so, it's very much white savior. Yeah. And and the, the saddest thing about like the Bosnian War and the Holocaust thousands of true stories a bajillion times worse and more interesting than that
1: so i mean and and that's why i would i would just go back briefly to your question about what serbia is doing in terms of also um recognizing um genocide and not recognizing the horrific crimes that were committed and really having that lobby to do so. Mm. And, and and that's one thing, like always being backed up by Russia, even several years ago when uh, the UN Security Council tried to pass a resolution. And so just uh, for those who are not familiar, during the war, there were many efforts to actually get involved in the Bosnian war to stop it, but Russia would veto every single resolution. Wow. Um, wow. Wow. Or even to provide humanitarian assistance for an arms arms embargo, but then several years ago, um, it, it it UN Security Council tried to pass a resolution to recognize the genocide in Srebrenica and veto and Russia vetoed it, meaning that it it, it didn't pass the UN Security Council. And uh, what we are seeing today, even if you go, uh, for example, on YouTube. And you try to so you if you if you if you uh, type down a Srebrenica genocide, side real footage, um, it won't play. It will say that it was removed because it was sensitive to some people, and uh, and and those that footage shows Serbian soldiers killing Bosnian unarmed men and boys in Srebrenica. Mm. Um It's not as much so. So the way even. certain terms are being used, Uh, so you, want, the way it's talked about, it's called like Yugoslavia wars, and Yugoslavia doesn't really exist any longer, right, so the responsibility isn't really clear when you call something Yugoslavia wars, Uh, but if we were to call it, um, you know, a war where, um, where Serbia pretty much, uh, Attacked Bosnia, and then also backed up the Bosnian-Serbian army. It's a different story. So it's really the propaganda and how it's being talked about is is real and is out there. And um, and especially when it comes to the denial of genocide, where um, it's it's it it's it's incredibly intrinsic in the whole society. Where um, yeah, it, it's just it's it's just completely.
0: Um, Twisted. People, people twist it. I've seen in, in one of the things too, like when I came to the region for the first time, you, you, I mean, I didn't catch it at first time. Like the first time I went to the Balkans, I was like, I'm new here. I don't know what anybody's saying. Um, but then, you know, as time went on and I, I learned, you know, the truth and. Even the most there, even like really, really liberal Serbs, really, really liberal Serbs who are pro-LGBT, like modern in every other sense will, and I bring up the Bosnian war and they're like, but this happened. Like, yes, it was bad, but, and I've, I've seen like even the most liberal modern people living abroad and in, in, in being in diaspora of Serbia internationally just be like, yeah, it was bad, but this happened too. Mm, mm, mm. Like it was, it's, it's very much like, I almost think I mean, it's probably even in their education system, you know, how, how they're taught about it. They can't, people can't really help that, but it is, it is really pervasive the way Serbia whitewashes, you know, their crimes to their own people.
1: Uh, absolutely. And, and, and you know, it's not only whitewashed, but it's also glorified, especially many oh, yeah. in many uh, parts of Republika Srpska, which is a territory from which everyone who is not Serb was ethnically cleansed. And then the international community recognized it, even though, you know, under international law, you actually can't acquire a territory by force. But we, you know, <laughs> people it, just wanted
0: people to stop dying.
1: Yeah, but still... It, recognizing Republika Srpska was really such a slap to everyone who was killed and, oh, yeah. and, and ethnically clients from that area. Uh, but I also wanted to briefly just... Um, uh, come. I mean, the fact is that... Um, I can I lost my train of thought. Anyway, what was your question?
0: What was my question? I lost my train of thought too. I'm just like I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to really begin when talking about Bosnia because again, like every time I bring it up, they're like, "Oh yeah, so sad." Oh
1: yeah, I wanted actually to share with you a story. So uh, I think I think I briefly mentioned it when we had tea the other day. But um, so I had a really good friend here in New York City. Actually, my first good friend in New York City was uh, yes, your Serbian Serbian friend. And you know, like we would have sleepovers and go out and have dinners and spend time in the park, and we were friends for years. Uh, in 2019, I still remember, it was summer, we were having ice cream, and she talked about how she was upset with a Croatian friend who was posting something on her Facebook about the VAR. And, um, and I said... And she was saying, you know, everyone, everyone committed crimes. And I was like, yes, everyone committed crimes, but not all crimes are the same. Yeah. You know, you are really not Or admit. even at the same proportion. Exactly.
0: You There's can't. no reality where three million Serbs were displaced. And exactly. I think to, another thing I told you that I, I think people forget about the Bosnian War is that when we say three million uh, mostly Bosnians were displaced... That is the that is the popul, that is that is Bosnia. Bosnia is three million people. It means that the whole the country was empty and the people they murdered were the ones that couldn't get out
1: and you know it wasn't only people who were killed, but also our religious institutions were destroyed, like Alaja, which is the which was the oldest mosque in uh, completely you know, destroyed to the ground. Croats destroyed the old bridge in Mozar mm-hmm. So it was also destroying the culture, destroying the uh, religious institutions, destroying the identity mm-hmm. any way they could. And so I spoke with her and I was like, well, you can't really equate, you know, war crimes with genocide or crimes against humanity or ethnic cleansing mm-hmm. that was not committed against Serbs. And she was like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I mean, She she was uh, arguing with me on this, and so I just said, well, you know, just give me an example of Srebrenica and Republika Srpska. Like, give me an example of where uh, Bosnian Muslims did to Serbs, what Serbs did to Bosnian Muslims in Srebrenica. And she said, well, seriously, I mean, I was like, what do you mean? She was like, well, you know, like, Bosnian Muslims did it themselves. They killed their own people so that they would get the attention they needed from the West, you know, like if so, she will, really, and she really believes. And in she that. lives
0: abroad. She's in New York. Here, and she's, she really
1: believes in that. And I, I remember. She probably calls herself a feminist too. <laughs> and I remember how it was really hard for me, like I, I because she's my friend, and I felt like.
0: And it had <laughs> never come up before, like so.
1: No, and I also have to share something very personal. So after the war, because of all the very difficult um, trauma that my mother went through. She, you know, she had this. She would tell me, "You can't be friends with Serbs. They, you know, they um, didn't. Ha- they betrayed us, so they're going to betray you as well."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, "Mom, you know, like not everyone is the same. You know, that's not true, what not?" And I still believe that. And my mom has also, of course, changed her, uh, changed her view. It was really, you know, just after the war, while she was still very traumatized, mm-hmm. and she still is because. She, You know, she's just gone through a lot. But, um, you know, when this thing happened, I had had that kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but it was like, I'm here sitting in New York City. It's 2019. And I have a friend who I've trusted, you know, who I've...
0: And it never came up before.
1: (sighs) No, not really, because we never really talk about it. So that's another thing. Like, I know that your experience was different when you were in Sarajevo. My friends. It's not something that we really talk about. Yeah.
0: Um, people just want to move on. But if you like if you ask people, yeah. they'll tell you what they had for breakfast in nineteen ninety-five. You know, that's just like, so I had my cereal and then I got shot up by a serb. Probably no <laughs>
1: one had cereals. No, that's what I'm saying. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah. No, they yeah. well, actually, let's talk about that as well. So you you actually developed worms while well, you were tell us like so okay, let's go back to that too, because um like how how bad did it get like let's like living within so a lot of bosnians were refugees but you were mm-hmm. in bosnia you had to be yeah. smuggled out you were in the belly of the beast in faccia
1: so we uh, we managed to flee from Facha, that we were internally displaced in the country for the next uh three years um my sister and i didn't really have regular access to school or or any access at all um uh, we also, I mean, talk about resilience. One day, my sister and I, we did steal a lot of books from a school oh, that wow. was just shelled. And that was really a way and how we actually managed to get some kind of education, and as wow. my sister says, those books were not only a source of education, but also provided us, you know, a window from outside of of, of the horror that we were going through. And so, what wow. was also really difficult was the fact that we were internally displaced, so we didn't have really our home. My mom had no idea what where the rest of her family was. Mm. Uh, my father was killed um, at the very beginning in August 1992, and so my mom was left on her own with two girls, um, and she only had 50, uh, German marks at that time, which is something like $30 in her pocket, and she had to figure out really how to keep us safe and how to feed us, um, so she started working in a military kitchen, which was helpful, so she could get whatever food was remaining back home, uh, but, um, it was still not enough, and most days we would just have rice. And you know, she tried to be creative. She would be like, "Oh, we're having pie for lunch today." And you know how much Bosnia love their pie. And mm. I'm like, "Oh my God, what's the pie filled with?" Because usually it's like burek with meat or sirnica mm. with cheese. And she would be like, oh, it's made of rice. <laughs> <laughs> and the next day, she was like, oh, you know, I made of stew. Was a stew. And what's the stew made of? Oh, it's made of rice. So rice. So ever since the bar ended, I'm like, I'm not eating any rice. <laughs> even now I, I hardly ever have rice. Um, but it was really bad. Especially also, there was no toothbrush or toothpaste, uh, we wow. couldn't afford even soap. So we would use ashes to wow. wash our bodies and to wash our hair. And so my sister, she developed jaundice, which is really serious at the age of 10. Mm. And uh, one morning, I still remember it was mom had g- gone to the military kitchen where she was working and I woke up and I vomited. And this is real disgusting. But as I looked in my vomit, I saw worms. And <laughs> it's really disgusting. And I, I didn't understand what it was, um, but it was only really later uh, that I found out actually what it meant. And it, it was due to lack of uh, access to proper hygiene and proper food and water. And just to mention, you know, like the humanitarian aid that we would receive, I still remember and we still talk about it. We would get these cans from Vietnam War, like super, you know, like... the. The expiry date was like, you know, decades. Oh yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. No,
0: I remember my yeah. um the lady in Sarajevo that I stay with, mm-hmm. um, she she said that the the rations were stale, like stale crackers. Like the UN brought stale food to Bosnia.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, so that was really tough. It was really hard. And and I think the the health our physical and our mental health was incredibly I mean, was really, really horrifically impacted um and where i was actually at the point of being well nourished and when i came to sweden in november 1994 i was put on vitamins um and uh i mean just thinking like for three years no real access to milk or protein or mm. uh any food that you need as, as a child any for development. variant of food yeah, yeah exactly
0: Wow, and so they put you they were you in the hospital when you came?
1: No, I was not. In the hospital I wasn't uh it was really just uh that they uh you know, like I, I still remember we went in for the physical and they found all of these things that were wrong with us and tooth decay because again lack of access to toothpaste and brush but also nutrient food that you needed and um, you know, just yeah, it was it was more, and unfortunately, they focused only on physical health. So that's one thing that has changed a lot since then. But like, no one really provided us with psychosocial support or mental health um, mm. after finally finding that refuge in Sweden. And, and I think that was probably more needed than um, than uh, than even. Access to physical health. And you know, it's it's now so many years later that I'm still dealing with PTSD and mm. I get startled very easily. Mm. And I have chronic insomnia and um, periodic depression. And when I work on it now with my therapists, it's all dating back to my experiences as a kid. Of course. Um, and it is something that, luckily, many countries have changed and, and mental health has been recognized. Um, Access to psychosocial support for people who have, who are victims of trauma, but at that time it wasn't really something that anyone really spoke about.
0: Wow! And so, how how did the war, how, how did the war change your mom?
1: I think um, I think she um, she was thirty three at that time, mm-hmm. and so just imagine like you are. So I remember even when they, so when we were on this checkpoint and uh, Serbs took away my father, um, you know, and he of course tried to protest and he, he was, you know, he was driving the car and they were like, you know, they were literally pointing their guns on us and were like, you're going to kill your family if you don't come with us. And so so what my dad tells my mom as he's leaving the car, is like, you have to, you know, you have to continue driving and get to safety and he just gives her the name of a friend that he has in Oliva who would be able to help us get some gas to continue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think uh just going through that and, and it's really interesting, you know, how even today there's so much as it should be, you know, there's so much emphasis on how children are experiencing war. But when I look back, I'm actually Thankful of as a child and not in my 20s or my 30s, mm. not someone who had to take up arms and defend or mm. someone who had to think about how am I going to provide food on the table for my children. And I think, you know, going back to that first betrayal, having to go through that. And she actually, she had a really difficult time um, and, and, uh, during the war. And after the war, she had a lot of anger. And as a teenager, I I couldn't really understand her, Um, and to a certain degree, I was also angry back at her, like, why can't you be like other mothers, like, why are you so angry all the time? Um, And then I found her diary that she wrote um, during the the Bosnian war, and she wrote it um, as a letter to her sister. And, in one of, and then I have really got to understand everything that she has been through. And in one of those instances, she was talking about how she doesn't think she will survive. You know, sh- she was thinking, and, and you know, sh- sh- and, and it was just like she was saying, like, you know, like, you have to take care of my daughters because I'm not going to survive this. And something that many women in Bosnia have experienced uh, is, um, you know, suicidal thoughts and thinking about it and... Um, and having to and having to navigate all those strong emotions without any help or support, um, and my mom is in a better place right now. But there is one thing about her generation, and I think that's something that maybe you can also talk to, where they are not as eager. I've tried to get my mom to into therapy and and to. Uh, and, and to work through her trauma, but she's not interested to the point where we actually never talk about it. So in my family, we really never talk about what actually happened.
0: So was you, as you guys were, you know, in the country displaced, did, how how often did you move places?
1: Oh, wow. Um, so, and
0: and, and, and anon- yeah. another thing, another question too. So you say these Serb soldiers are pointing guns at your father for yeah. being a Muslim, but... You're all Slavs. How do they know? How do they know you're Muslim? Do you have to identify yourself?
1: Uh, by name.
0: By name, yes. By, name. by the, eth- yeah, so like a Yasmin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, so, uh, yes, so Bosnian Muslim Muslims, they had, um, they would usually, not all of us, but most would have um, a surname that dates back to, um, that dates back to, that has its uh, origin in Arabic. Or uh, even the first name. So, for example, my name Amina, which I actually got after Asaf Dalinka's song, which is called Amina. But the roots of that name is in Arabic uh, mm-hmm. Amina. and uh, so that was one way of how it was uh, of how it, it was easy to identify just by asking people for for their documents. Mm-hmm. And um, so, even talking about you know, like my dad being taken away, and then on the next mm-hmm. next checkpoints. You know they they stop us again it was like 14 minutes later not more and they take the idea of my mom and they were like oh you are from facha are you why, why are you fleeing facha facha is liberated you know just like being very sarcastic and very um very yeah very threatening and also I remember at that time I was just fearing that they could take my mother away as well and it's interesting actually uh, of how um you know, just how vividly I still remember exactly how that person looked like. I think if I were to meet him today, I would I would be able to recognize him. Wow. Um, so uh, so what 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 we ended up doing was that uh, we um, we went to a place called Visoko, where my father had some connections because the way we left our home in the middle of the night, we didn't really take documents with us. My sister and I didn't have passports, so he had. Um, He had a connection there, and the idea was for us to get passports and to leave the country. Um, And as we came to Visako, so that was already May 1992, um, the, um, the news, what's happening, were emerging more and more, and my dad actually decided to join the Bosnian army. And instead of fleeing to actually fight, um, and that's one thing that I actually also sh- want to comment on so often what happens with westerners is when I tell them that I've lost my dad they're like was he civilian or a soldier it's like you know there's a huge difference whether he was civilian or soldier but I was like you have to understand the context of how my father became a soldier you know it wasn't really a choice that people had he mm. tried to first you know, escape and be safe in his own town, he he had to leave, he was taken away on a checkpoint that he managed to flee from, and then it was right, we are either going to take up on arms and defend ourselves, or we are all going to die. Uh, so anyway, so we we lived in that um, area, Visako, where he joined the army, and uh, where he eventually was killed, um, and then we found out at some point point in the war. I can't even remember when that my mom's family was in Sarajevo. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So uh, I think sometime in the beginning of summer of 1994, when everyone was trying to leave Sarajevo through the tunnel. So, you know, like Bosnian Muslims, they dug this tunnel underground. That was the only way that you could get in or out of Sarajevo, which was occupied by the uh, Serb army. Um, So we actually entered Sarajevo. Just to see, to be with our family, and also left Sarajevo through that mean, and then ended up going to Sweden, which at that time didn't ex- accept um, didn't um, accept any more Bosnian refugees, and that's why we were actually smuggled out of the country and traveled to Sweden with false uh, Croatian passports and false identities as Catholics. We could travel through Europe wow. during that time, but as Bosnian Muslims, that was something that was not that we were not that we couldn't do.
0: Wow. Yeah, just even even you know 27 years ago there was islamophobia.
1: I think I think at that time I have no idea what what was going on but it is obvious that I this is actually what I believe and what I feel in my heart. I do feel like they could have stopped it. I mean when I say they I mean international community I mean I mean the west they could have provided us with humanitarian aid with arms so that we could actually properly defend ourselves and they could have provided us with refuge and uh but none of that was at least available to my family and so so the fact that we actually could with Croatian passports travel and pass every border because at that time there was no european union so you had to Mm. cross border of each country before we came to sweden um but as Bosnian Muslims, we wouldn't be able to do that. And just having, and just remind, reminding myself and my sister that for the next thirty-three hours of how long the journey is going to last, we can't call each other by our real name because we are in a bus full of Croats, and at that time, Croats have. Um, so at the beginning of the war, Bosnian Croats and Bosnian Muslims were fighting Serbs together, but then. Um, Bosnian Croats and uh, Bosnian Muslims started also having a war because then Croats also felt, well, if, Serbian, if Serbs are getting all this territory for them, we should also get territory mm. for us. So there was also that fraction. And so we were in the bus with. Um,
0: Croatia has a little bit of an unspoken history of ethnic cleansing that doesn't get nearly as much attention. <laughs> There's a. Uh, Nikola Tesla was born in Croatia, but he's a Serb. Nobody talks about why. Why are there no more Serbs in Croatia? Anyway.
1: <laughs> uh, that's taking us back to the Second World War. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: There's just so much. I mean, it's this so much back and forth, and the, there's so much, so many layers to this region that a lot of outsiders are unaware of. That I think because there's so many layers to it, people can use it to manipulate the un. And, and again, that's it just it continues to shroud the, it's the whataboutism, you know, so Serbia did this to Bosnia, but oh, but what, ha- what about what happened to Serbia and the da-da-da-da-da, you know, and it's just, it's... But we
1: can talk about what happened, you know, I think that's, that's the whole thing, that one is not excluding the other. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's, it's rather about recognizing everything that has happened and that's, and that's where we have a problem where it's it's more about excluding one and on the other. Like I've I will always recognize and I did when I worked in the prosecutor office in Bosnia and I was actually working on a case of the war crimes that were committed against Bosnian Serbs, and I will never say that war crimes were not committed against Bosnian Serbs. But it's just
0: not the same proportion, the same proportion. to derail the conversation.
1: Exactly. And also, you know, it's not ethnic cleansing, it's not crimes against humanity. We have to differentiate those. It's it, you know it's it's not it's not all the same. Uh, but we should definitely recognize uh, all of them. Yeah.
0: Mm. But it, again, it's not at the same proportion, and I think that's another thing that, again, outsiders are unaware of. Is is yeah. I, I've I've because of my Bosnia post, Actually, I've had my my own followers like come to me saying, just like, yeah. So I I didn't know much about Bosnia until you started posting about mm-hmm. it because they had had Serbs tell them these facts, and not knowing enough, they were like, oh, okay, it was everybody was equal. Like, no. And
1: that's really where I'm so, like, really impressed by you and grateful to you for doing this, because, again, as, you know, we mentioned at the beginning, we don't really have a strong lobby, Mm. and so having someone like you talk about it, uh, it really does bring awareness to the issue that otherwise doesn't exist, and unfortunately, again, like, we don't have a strong lobby, so.
0: And also, I really, it can't be undersold, the symbolism of a Muslim genocide on Europe's doorstep and why it happened. And I think that's very important for people to recognize that before, you know, before the United States was weaponizing Islamophobia after 2001, before that, Islamophobia in its form that it exists now very much was tolerated on the doorsteps of Europe. And I think the the symbolism for fascist uh, ideologies within Europe, the symbolism can't go missed because it's you know you have the Christchurch shooter who used the Bosnian genocide as inspiration for his actions in Christchurch he like it was a brilliant this is a brilliant win for the european christian identity which of course is bullshit right so i mean it's 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 upsetting that it's not talked about more but it's one thing that why i talk about it because it is currently right now being used as propaganda to, to bloom and blossom new fascists.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, and even just like recognizing how much, for example, during the, um, during the candidacy, um, um, during Trump candidacy for the presidency, Shechel uh, and his followers were marching in Belgrade. And Sashal is a war criminal who was convicted by the International Criminal Tribunal for war crimes in Bosnia and genocide. Um, Why is he free? Uh, he served his sentence of ten or something, um, but uh, the point is that he was walking down the streets of Belgrade um, wearing Trump shirt and you know, ad- like literally, like being such um, such a fan of Trump and, um, and, and and recognizing that as one connection they have, you know, like just Islamophobia and not I, I would call it even it's not only Islamophobia it's actually. Um, It's it's violating the rights of Muslims in any Mm. way that they can, Mm. Um, but that connection is is real and it is. It's very very real and it's very
0: current and growing.
1: And and unfortunately, another thing that um, you know that we are seeing even today with how differently uh, Syrian refugees were treated in Europe versus how Ukrainian refugees are being treated, and there is a lot you know, to that whole layer of um, of treating people differently simply because of the, the way they look or how they identify themselves and et cetera.
0: Yep. Or even just the different treatment of Ukrainians versus Iranians right now. Um, just the glaring difference of of the way we talk about certain history is is you know and it also it's also it's such a small country i think it gets overlooked that's another thing you know the um, you know russia is a giant monster so if if, i think if russia came to bosnia personally then it would make the news but oh it's just it's just you know serbia and bosnia just seven million three million ten million you know it's just it's so overlooked but it's very crucial that it doesn't so i'm glad you're here um so what what as we close out as we close out uh what what do you have to say for non-bosnians how how can non bosnians you know spread awareness how can they get involved and educate themselves on this region like what would you what would you suggest
1: well a few things one thing is that i really think that everyone should visit bosnia it's a i open. know <laughs> i
0: love it i love it i'm telling you flood is agrib there's this i think there's a 5 a.m bus I think it's a five or 6 a.m. bus. It's 20, 20 euros, 20 euros, It's a five or 6 a.m. bus. You go to Zagreb, you take that, the first bus in the morning, right? And it's literally, literally, you go up to uh, Gradiška, which is the border of Croatia and uh, Bosnia. You go through Gradiška, it's literally just 10 hours of Narnia. Just 10 hours of Narnia. There's cheap restaurants that you stop at. It's like $2 for a meal. Like, it's fucking brilliant. And it's just, it's it's, it's how you get to Sarajevo. It's the only way to get to Sarajevo. Uh, there's no trains from any other country to Bosnia. There's no planes, really. There's only a few. So if you want to go, Zagreb, bus, 6 a.m., 5 a.m., Sarajevo. Okay.
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's, that's, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, like make a trip to, make a trip to Shabbat. It and it's, uh, I really see uh, with your own eyes and talk to people. like you mm, know, one
0: thing, it, That's the biggest yeah. thing is like the bullet holes and mm. the rubble that still, exactly. yeah, especially Mostar.
1: Yes, especially Mostar. That's still quite divided. And um, and, and one thing is also, if you can't travel, um, there is a really good movie that just came out, which is called Quo Vadis Aida. Uh, it, it it was directed by a Bosnian producer and it's about the genocide in Srebrenica um, there are a few other movies one also Oscar winner uh, which is called No Man's Land mm-hmm. which is another good movie on the topic and um, and honestly, just learning the history, everything is out there. Mm-hmm. It's like you can, if, if you're... The
0: Holocaust Memorial uh, Museum also has a very... Uh, actually, on. I think most Holocaust... And actually Yad Vashem, I think, also mm-hmm. has. Uh, so if you go to a Holocaust website, I think they will usually have very accurate information on the statistics um, because the Bosnian genocide is so eerily similar, executed in an eerily similar way to the mm-hmm. Final Solution. So if uh, also, you'll find it on Holocaust websites.
1: Yeah, and actually, we're really... Really, it's amazing that we now have um, our ambassador to the UN is actually a Bosnian Jewish who is uh, talking about this very openly. Sven an Alkali and. An incredible person to be presenting us at the
0: UN. Wonderful, um, yeah. This topic, yeah. Yeah, the, uh before before the Nazis, uh, Sarajevo was often called the Jerusalem of Europe because of the sheer number of Christians, Muslims, and Jews living in complete harmony. So, and it actually it's, it's 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 a very romantic city, Sarajevo. You know, it's it's beautiful to see you know hills and 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 hillside surrounding this you know Turkish architecture, and then there'll be snow, <laughs> snow on the Turkish architecture. It's just so beautiful. It's so special. Yeah,
1: it really is. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming,
0: Emina. I have been Chelsea Hart. Uh, This has been Emina. We have all been resensitizing. Thank you very much.